Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the Body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Now here's Pastor Alex. Alrighty. Well, how many of you love the election season, presidential election season? How much time are you spending on that? It's been quite the, uh, quite the drama. Not all good, but interesting. You know, pastors are not encouraged to talk about politics in America because of a couple reasons. Some are good reasons, like um, I don't want to alienate people from Jesus simply over a particular political point of view. That doesn't make sense to me. If you have all the correct political points of view, but you don't end up in heaven, that is a bad idea to me. So I understand not making you know, too much of political positions or candidates. There's also a legal reason. You know, if uh, somebody who's getting, like a church, is getting a tax deduction, or called a tax-deductible charitable organization, and then we start having specific candidates that we're promoting, well, that cancels out the legal freedom to have that deduction. So you've you got to be careful. But I think a lot of Christians have gone too far in being silent about politics. Um, in schools, on the job, I think uh, a lot of people have just been taught that, hey, it's separation of church and state. That means absolutely zip, nothing, nada. You can't ever say anything either spiritual or political in church or at work or school. The truth is, our Constitution protects the freedom of speech. And if you're at work or if you're at school, if you're on the job and someone asks you anything about your spiritual life, you are free to answer as openly and honestly as you can. And I, as a pastor, I'm, I'm absolutely free to talk about candidates, policies, issues, challenges, things I agree with and disagree with, it's not always beneficial to do that, but there are times, and I think today is one of them, when it's actually beneficial because we've been talking about money and, and how we've been assigned to manage God's resources. Everything I have, my time, my energy, my talents, my money, everything is a gift on loan from God, and I'm asked, invited by Him, to manage it while I'm here. And because that's the case, and because we do have a presidential election coming, um, those two really have a lot to do with each other. The way I manage God's resources that he gives to me and the politics of our country. There is a lot of those two topics that actually go together. And unfortunately, Christians have kind of, you know, you get into a, a political year like this one, and it's easy to get discouraged or completely just fed up or disgusted with what's going on, and you want to check out. Can I tell you, as a Christian, we don't have that luxury. We don't get to check out. We are called to be salt and light in this earth in every facet that, that we have influence. And politics is a huge area where every individual who's over, is it 18 or 21? 18, voting age, yeah, has huge opportunity for influence. And so since we're talking about about money this four or five weeks in a row, and we'll wrap it up next Sunday. I, I want to just give you some things to think about concerning the presidential election. And we'll start by just this wonderful annual figure. I love, I love this website. You go onto this website, and I, I 
I, would, I think it's nationaldebtclock.org. And it's actually rolling. It's actually in movement. I, I didn't want to go online and do it there. But here's the, here's the frozen picture from yesterday. But it's just like spinning faster than your gas meter. I mean, it's just like rolling crazily. Our country right now is in 19 trillion, 130 billion, 105 million, 642,226 dollars and 39 cents in debt. And the number is skyrocketing 100 miles an hour. Now, this is one of the reasons people check out of politics. They go, these guys are just dimwits. I mean, they just have no clue, no care. They could care less about that debt. But the problem there is if you check out, what that means is you just continue to pay God's resources from your little account into that problem without saying anything about it. You're basically, you and I, when we do that, just put our stamp of approval. Go for it. That's why to me, wait a minute, this is God's money. That's God's money. It's on loan to every human in this country, every citizen that pays taxes, has been given the responsibility, whether they know it or not, to manage those resources in a way that honors and glorifies him. And if we're just kind of blindly going, have it, throw it into that big black hole, that's that's not a real godly or obedient response, is it? So let's talk about what is our responsibility as, as American citizens, as Christians first, who live in this country? I want to start by just reminding you that America is unique. And there are biblical mandates for Christians concerning government that don't directly speak to a nation like ours. Because most of the scriptures that talk about what Christians should do in response to government, those in power over them, are in cultures and political systems that were dictatorships. There were emperors. There was not democratic rule. It was not we the people. It was you the emperor, you Caesar. And so the scriptures were written in response to that. Hey, you may have a bad ruler, but submit to him. In doing so, you're submitting to God. And it may be unfair. It may be unjust. Turn the other cheek. But America's different. We live in a country where we have all been given the responsibility and the freedom to be the emperor. Think about it that way. You and I are all many emperors in this country. And so we actually get to choose the direction of our government to a great extent. So turn with me in your Bible. <clears throat> Keep forgetting, I don't have them up there. You've got to open your Bible. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, that's what I want to do, is read. And if you've got your Bible, mark it. It's a great passage for learning how to pray for your leaders, for your country. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, everybody across the board, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, so Paul's making a very clear command to Christians to pray for all people, but especially those in authority over nations, over countries, over groups of people. But what's really fascinating about this is not so much that we're all commanded to pray, oh Lord, we pray for our president. 
God, bring him to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Help him to be an awesome dad to his two daughters. Lord, cause him to walk in the fear of the Lord when he's governing and making decisions. Lord, I pray for our governor. Lord, cause him to walk in the wisdom of Scripture when he's deciding about the legality of certain kinds of marriage and relationships or taxing this group of people. Lord, give them wisdom. I think God answers those prayers. But in addition to that, what I find fascinating about this passage is what it is that is supposed to be the outcome of our prayers. Take a look. Paul says the reason we're praying for these are twofold, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We, meaning the Christians, can actually live out their Christianity in freedom, in peace. We can do what our conscience and what the Holy Spirit and what the Scripture tell us to do without interference. That's what he's saying. Pray for all these leaders so that Christianity basically is free to roam. It's free to thrive. Make sense? So we're praying for our country because Jesus wants Christianity to thrive. He doesn't like dictatorships. He doesn't like where religion is stomped out. He's not pleased or impressed when, when uh, you have to become an underground church over the threat of death. Okay, so number one, that Christianity can thrive. The second thing is, in verse four, he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So when I think about my responsibility toward my government, those two things should be the outcome of everything I do in terms of voting, deciding, signing petitions, giving money, donating, whatever it is, holding up signs, protesting, picketing, whatever it is I do concerning the political arena, those should be my motives, okay? Are we together on that? Therefore, if that's the case, then when it comes to voting for a president, that should be my criteria. That's my litmus test. What does this person believe? What have they demonstrated over the course of their lives? How much is this important to them or not? And I do want to just underscore that, that idea in the fact that our Constitution is unlike any Constitution ever written. And it is... You know, I, I know that there are people who say God invented America and he is the source and the authority and the, he, he gave birth to the whole nation. I mean, I mean as, as if it were a, an Israel kind of birthing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm close to that, but I'm not 100% there. I think it's the godly people who understood, hey, this is a new land. We can wreck it or we can let it be blessed. Let's surrender to God. And, and as an outcome, God has responded by blessing and creating great strength and great freedoms and those kind of things. But one of the reasons for that is because the framers of our Constitution said, we are the emperors. We're in charge. We the people, that's one of the most amazing statements concerning government that that a country could ever make. Most constitutions do not, a few European ones do, but do not begin this way. They begin with, I the king, I the dictator, I the guy with all the guns and bombs will tell you how things are going to go. In our country, it's we the people. Okay, now I'm a Christian. I'm responsible to God for everything. I answer to Jesus first and country second. But I'm in this country and I have the opportunity to have a huge influence. And guess what? I've just been given permission to do so. So checking out of politics as a Christian is not a luxury we have. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, 
ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. That's the preamble. Everything that follows is the Constitution. But here's the reason we're doing it. Because we, the people, have decided that we have the privilege and responsibility to shape this nation. No one individual is above we the people. Okay, so when you think about the presidential race and you look at what's happening on television, you listen to the news reports and you watch the crazy, you know, there's a, been a little bit of protesting and violence, not nearly as much as they make it sound like, but, but you look at it and you kind of go, I just, I do not care. Or you hear about somebody being bought out by this billionaire and, you know, he's given all kinds of money and it doesn't really matter what they think in their conscience, the dollars will shape their point of view and so I can't touch that. You know, how's my little vote going to affect that? It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to say, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. But the truth is, this Constitution is still in force. The majority rules. And if there are more Christians voting with Christian values, the majority will rule. Now you might say, well, hey, this is just political stuff. It's all earthly, it's all worldly, it's all fleshly stuff. The nation's gonna burn anyway. Jesus will come back, you know, and it really isn't gonna matter, you know. Literally, Christians have that point of view. Why getting all worked up about, you know, it's just temporary anyway. We wanna witness. We wanna make sure everybody's saved. No kidding, so do I. But if you don't have an environment where Christianity is free to flourish, witnessing goes straight downhill. I mean, it does go underground. And history has show, shown that when there's persecution, the church tends to thrive. That's still not God's first and foremost preference. So if we just kind of say, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter who's in charge. Jesus is what matters. Yes, it, it's true. Jesus is first and foremost. But the governing of the land and the shaping of the environment in which Christians live have a huge influence on how effective we get to be. Okay, so what does that have to do with money? What that has to do with money is that we get to pay for this. As a citizen, the privilege of living in this country, there's a cost, and the cost is our taxes. You know, we're taxed at 10% for some, 39% for others. Some no taxes at all. But, but we all get to pay to play, right? And that's kind of the way of the world. It's not an evil thing. It's a neutral thing. It's just the way God decided to set up the world. There will be those who are trading value for value. I'll give you cash for my freedom. You be the military. I'll be the neighborhood guy. You know, so there's a, there's a value for value trade, and we do that agreeably. But the truth is, taxes can go way up sometimes, and they can come way down sometimes. And so when I'm thinking about, wait a minute, this is God's money that he's giving me. I have a chance to shape how much of God's money I pour into that $19 trillion black hole or not. Or how much money I pour into the strengthening of the nuclear family or not. Or how much money I pour into the defense of religious liberties or not. And because it's a presidential election right now, the president has a lot of influence on which of those programs get highlighted and which of them get pushed aside. And you might think, well, it's, they're all crooks, you know? I just, why vote for any of them? They're all the same. 
There, there is a new term that I've kind of embraced and that I think it's, it's fairly accurate. Uh, it, Democrats are no good. Republicans are no good. They're all the ruling class. They just want to stay in power and they really don't care what party they belong to as long as they're in power. And I'm kind of going, I'm seeing that pattern. But that's still not the end of the story and I still don't get to check out because, hey, they're all bad. What we have to do is recognize God has given us responsibility. One of the things that I, I think is helpful is when you look at the, the passage in Luke 20, verse 25, where Jesus said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. That's a, it's a true statement. It's a command that if you live in a country where taxes are due, give to Caesar the king or whoever is in that position of authority. Give, pay your taxes and... Uh, Pay your tithes, God and country. Jesus honored both. However, a lot of Christians take this verse and say, hey, you know, look at Jesus. Just give them whatever they want, whatever they ask. And in a dictatorship, that would be true. You have no power. If you don't pay what they command and demand, you're going to prison, you're going to Siberia, or you're dead. But that's not the country we live in, so we can't just roll over and go, well, whatever. The government demands it. You can't fight the IRS. That's true, but we're still required to influence wherever we can, and voting is one of the most influential decisions you and I have. So we can't, we can't just use that as kind of an excuse. Yeah, abide by the law, whatever comes down the pike, yep, I'm submitting to God by paying Caesar what, what I owe Caesar. So here's one of the things that Christians have to do. If we're gonna be effective in politics, using money, remember, the behavior government wants to increase, they will make it cost less to you and I. If there's behavior they want to decrease, they'll make it more expensive. That's what carbon emissions are all about. If they want carbon emissions to go down, they will just up the cost of blowing smoke <laughs> in your car. That's how they control behavior. They use money, they use taxing. That's just human nature, it's not a bad idea. But you reward what you want more of and you punish what you want less of. Okay, so they're like managing my money, God's money. I'm required to, to report to him on how I'm doing with his money. And if I just let that stuff go like, hey, whatever. Yeah, you want to just kill all the babies? That's fine with me and have no say. That is wrong. We're responsible. Okay, so one of the things we have to do is understand human nature. Paul said in Romans, there's no one who always does what is right. Not even one. We all know that's true about you and I. We're people of flesh. We have brokenness. We have imperfections. We're unfinished. We're a work in progress. But that's also true about those who become rulers and authorities and presidents and senators over us. There has to be a recognition that no matter who we elect into office, there's going to be brokenness and they will be motivated by the same weaknesses that motivate me to do things poorly, like self-centeredness, self-aggrandizement, hungry for power, gratification. They're gonna be ruled by the same thing. So Christians, we have to recognize, voting for people who are not subjected to the word of God or to the Holy Spirit are gonna be really difficult to trust when they start having power. Make sense? They're gonna do everything, it's become corrupt. Question, what percentage of the major politicians, 
president, vice president, senators, House of Representatives. There's about 500, 600 people in that group. How, what percentage of them would you say are teetering on or fully into corruption? Just opinion. How many percent? 90? Yep. 87.5. I'm sorry? 87.5. Okay. It's up there, right? Yeah, it's up there because politicians have freedom, at least they think they do, to kind of work deals and make decisions that, that kind of move that money that these millions of Americans are giving in their direction. And they can do a lot of stuff on paper and behind closed doors and smoke-filled rooms and everything else because that's human nature. So as Christians, then we have to go, hmm, which of those individuals that I get to vote for seems to be most submitted to God. That's the one I'm going to vote for. Which one by their track record, what they've said, and what they've done over time, demonstrates that they really want Christians to have a culture that's peaceable and flourishing. That's the one I want to vote for. If you look for a politician, however, that's 100% in favor of all these things, they won't exist. You won't vote. Well, you can vote for yourself. Oh, I'd be 100%. They don't exist. So we have to literally pick the lesser of two evils, which I know we hate that concept. The lesser of two evils, that's just so bad. Why can't I pick, you know, where's Ronald Reagan when you need him? I mean, you may have hated Reagan, I don't know, but he's the guy everybody holds up. They don't exist. But that doesn't mean you get to check out and not vote. Here's what I want to point out this morning. When it comes to, okay, I know there are spiritual issues. I mean, there was a season when the politicians really were revolving around the topic of abortion. Recently, it's been gay marriage. There have been a ton of moral issues that have guided the, the church community in, in how we vote. Um, this year, it's just not so much about those things. It's, it's more about finance. It's more about jobs. It's more about economy. It's more about money. But all of those are important to God. We're called to be stewards of his resources, his cash. So based on the finances alone, if we were to look out there, let's just say, you know, the presidential candidates. There's five left on the Republican side, two on the Democratic side. If we were to, to track their comments, what seemed to be their beliefs and their record in terms of their actions, which ones seem to promote godly values the most. That's the one you vote for. If you vote for no one, guess what? The ones who don't have your standard, your point of view, your lens, your filter, they're going to vote for you. And you and I will get the president that we probably don't want. Guess what? We're outnumbered. There are more non-Christians in this country than there are Christians. So if the Christians don't vote, well, hey, you get what you get. So I just want to encourage you, do not give away your responsibility. It's not just a privilege. It's a responsibility to vote in this presidential election. Here's a, I don't get to talk about politics very often, so I get excited about it because I just, it's not really, you know, supposed to be your Sunday morning fair until it has to do with, um, I really want God's blessing and favor in my life. And every area where I can say, I've obeyed you, Father, more blessing comes. Every area where I say, well, I didn't care, or that's not my gig, I didn't do it, I don't have his blessing. And when it comes to managing our finances, which in a big picture, I know it's a slow-moving thing, 
about taxes and how they get changed and adjusted over time, and nothing happens very fast nationwide. But it does change. How much influence would you say Barack Obama has had in the last seven years over the culture of America? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even have the power to make laws. That's the legislature's job. But he has a power of influence. So you don't just give up on this and hey, what the heck, doesn't matter. It's all the same. No, it's not. If you have a man or a woman standing in the, that seat called President of the United States and they have the influence to persuade people's thinking, beliefs, and vision, it's a huge, a huge power that we give them. So to say, I'm not voting is uh-uh. Not a good idea. Okay, I'm gonna just close with this. And this is where we're gonna just sort of get a little bit more detailed than normal. But we're gonna stay with the Word of God. The Word of God basically says there are two opposing worldviews in all of creation. I've labeled them in political terms, but in spiritual terms, they are those that believe God is the beginning, middle, and end of all things. The opposing view is man is the beginning, middle, and end of all things. So you have God-centered, you have man-centered. I want to just give you, because I know not everybody's, not everybody's um, a news addict, politics addict, not everybody cares, not everybody gets excited. But I think unfortunately that not everybody is as well educated as they could be on these. So let me just give you a couple of highlights of those two worldviews because that should inform how we vote. Conservative is a generalization. I'm gonna talk about conservatives as if every one of them is a God-fearing person. We know they're not. Not everyone who calls themselves conservative, they could be atheists for all we know. But generally speaking, let's just assume these are the group of people who believe God is the beginning, middle, and end of all things. And let's just, for the sake of generalization, liberals are those who think man is the beginning, middle, and end. But you know there are born-again liberals who are against abortion, but still vote with the liberal party all the time. So I'm not putting anybody in a box. I want you to understand the principles so that you can say, hmm, what does this person demonstrate, conservative or liberal principles? So here are just a couple of core differences. Liberals, if they believe that man is the beginning, middle, and end of all things, they may believe in God, but God, in their opinion, isn't interested in helping. They believe it's pretty much up to us. Someone with that worldview will always begin to react by saying, let's use our brains to figure this out. Let's get all the smart people we can in the room. Let's design some ideas and some plans. Let's experiment. Let's try stuff. And in order to pay for all that, we'll let everybody out there who's voting know that, hey, don't worry. We got the smart people in the room. You can pay our salary so that we can do all this hard work for you because we're going to come out with great answers and ideas. Now, here's what generally happens. On that side of the aisle, you might say, there are people who say, you know, if 10 smart people can do that much good, imagine how much 100 could do. Ooh, baby, how about 1,000 of us? Man, could you imagine if we just keep growing the size of government, how smart all of us would be together? If your view is that it's on us to fix things, that is always the end game. Government always grows, and guess who pays? You and I. Yeah, we do. On the other side of the coin, Assuming people believe there's a God, 
And there are rewards for living in his ways. There are punishments and consequences when we don't. And so we have to kind of take everything from his perspective, his point of view. And that means we're responsible to him. We're not just responsible to ourselves or just to even the events or consequences, but to him. Then we need to make decisions about how we manage the problems of the world. If we believe we're accountable to him, then we want to make sure that we design a country and a culture where everybody is accountable to him. Nobody gets to play victim. Nobody gets to just sort of lay down and go, I don't really believe in him, so I don't care. No, if we're going to make laws that kind of manage the way people live, let's have everybody kind of on the same standard. So let's make everybody be responsible for their own children. Let's have everybody be responsible to pay their bills. Let's have laws that say, your bad behavior has consequences. We're all responsible. You can't blame your uncle, you know, way back when you were a kid. You can't blame your culture or some movie that you saw. No, we're all accountable to God because there is a God. And so if you develop laws and policies that bring about personal responsibility, guess what? You don't need a million people to do that. You can actually shrink the size of government. It costs a lot less. In fact, the people can use the money that they would have given to you, the government, to grow and prosper themselves. <clears throat> Do you know that people who have a, a God-centered point of view tend to be the most charitable people on earth? Those who don't tend to be the least charitable people on earth. And so I know a lot of people look at these things and say, well, hey, all we wanna do over here is we're trying to take care of everybody. I mean, there are poor people. There are people who are invalids. There are people who are in circumstances they cannot fix themselves. There should be a place for government to have social safety nets, and I am a big believer in that because we have people in our own family who are experiencing the blessing of that to a point. But because, remember, the first or second point was Christians need to understand human nature. If I figure out there's a free lunch over here, suddenly my elbow hurts and my legs don't feel that good. I don't know if I can make it to work today. You know what I'm talking about? It's human nature. We just kind of want it the easy way out. And so you got to be careful about blessing and caring for everybody out there because suddenly people find ways to become the victim. It's just human nature. Nobody's bad. That's what we all do. So when we think about voting for president and we hear things like, well, she could be the first woman president in all history. I'm thinking, does that matter according to these two worldviews? No. Could be the first African-American. Does that really matter according to these two worldviews? No. Um, this guy wants everybody to have free college and free medical care. Okay, let's see, how do you make that work? Who pays for that? That's a great idea, but wow. Everybody's suddenly gonna be sick and can't work anymore. You just watch, that'll happen, it's human nature. Somebody over here says, we're gonna build a wall, make this country pay for it. I'm not for or against any particular politician. I, I think, what I love about Donald Trump, <laughs> I, I hope I don't have to vote for him, but if given a chance, <laughs> I will. I mean, because he's kind of scary, but, but what I love about him is he's, he's not afraid to stand his ground. You know, I think what he's captured is he's recognizing in both houses of Congress there's an epidemic of weakness. Yes. There are men and women who, when they're called 
a racist or a bigot, they just start backing down, back down, back down. You know, anything, if they're labeled, they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They take no stand for anything. Right or wrong, they're just afraid. Oh, you don't approve of me anymore. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Tell me what I should say so you'll like me. And what I love about Trump is he doesn't do that. I don't necessarily like everything he says, but I go, I like that. I like people who just stand their ground. And I think that's why there's a, a groundswell of people saying, we've, we've dealt with all these weaklings for so long. We just want somebody strong, even strong and wrong. <laughs> but let's say it comes down to, let's just say, just say it comes down to um, Hillary and, and Trump. Based on these two worldviews, which one is more likely, don't answer this out loud, which one's more likely to say, I have a belief that there's a God that we're accountable to, and which one is more likely to say, I, I tend to think we're kind of on our own. That to me matters more than everything else because that will at least get them leaning in a direction that fulfills my prayer from 1 Timothy chapter two. So the kingdom of God can thrive and personal responsibility and me managing my resources, I can actually do what I think God's telling me instead of having the government tell me what to do. See, that's the whole point of this discussion, just recognizing the two worldviews and going, okay, Lord, help me to know and understand where these candidates are on the issues. Help me to really take the time. I know not everybody is a, a news addict, but we're responsible. We, the people, are the emperors of America as a group. As Christians, we are our brother's keeper. We don't get to check out. If you haven't registered to vote, register to vote. Okay, that's the bottom line. And I'm, I'm not gonna tell you to vote a certain way, and I've, there are a lot of people who vote differently than me in this church, and we love each other, and we laugh about it, and we just don't talk about it. <laughs> because really, ultimately, you're right. The kingdom of God is first and foremost, and will in the end prevail over every other kingdom, including America, in the end. Amen? But while we're here, I want the kingdom to flourish. And so my politicians will have a lot to do with how well that goes or doesn't go. So let's vote this year, okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, we praise and thank you for your word. Lord, it is really not about politics. It's really about your Holy Spirit, your word, and the kingdom of God. But Father, you've given us a lot of practical areas in this life. Managing our money, raising our children, handling our marriages well, voting, refraining from things, as well as engaging in things, so that your kingdom can thrive. So Father, we, we just pray that for us individually, show us what our role is and show us how to be good stewards of the time, the wisdom, the information, the resources that we have been given. So that we can say at the end of our life, we did the work you called us to do, Lord. I did my assignment. And this morning before we close, I just want to say, if you're not yet 100% sure that you're going to heaven when you die, you, you have to understand it's really the most important question that you will ever ask. And Jesus Christ answers by saying, if you come to me, you will have eternal life. That's what matters first and foremost. Then you can worry about all the details like politics. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't made that decision or you're not sure, talk to somebody that you think has and get some direction. Okay? We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And church said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
Well, two more weeks till Easter. Remember to be praying for a friend to bring. Yes, God's word is so awesome. Thanks, Pastor Alex. I hope this message blesses you as it does me. We have an awesome time of worship during each of our services. We have infant and child care available, as well as complete children's education programs. We host the Wildfire Youth Programs Wednesday evenings. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's a final word from Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.